This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode of Ready or Not is brought to you by New Bub Club. Delicious meals for new and time-poor parents. No prep made from scratch comfort food when you need it most. Hello and welcome to Ready or Not. I'm Lucinda and today things are looking a little different around these parts as we kick off the Postpartum Diaries, a four-part series that today will begin with my Witching Hour co-host, Loz, and she's pretty much my cousin. I am married to her cousin. When I first recorded this, I said that she was married to my husband. So that gives you an idea of where I'm at three weeks postpartum. But I digress. She today is asking me all about my pretty bizarre birth story. I'll be honest, I'm a little bit nervous about how personal this is going to get. Normally I interview others and share little snippets of my own life at best. So this is taking things to the next level. But as someone who has always valued the sharing of ideas and stories, I'm going there. In case anyone can relate to even 1% of what I have to say about birth, postpartum and all that comes with it. So strap yourselves in for what is a pretty weird birth story that was characterised by a few twists and turns and really made me feel like the girl who cried birth. You might think I'm mad by the end of it. You're probably right. But I guess that's a risk I'm willing to take. And just a note before we kick off, none of this should be treated as medical advice. This is simply me sharing my story. I'm Lucinda, this is the Postpartum Diaries, and here is the girl who cried birth. Lou recently gave birth to her second child, a daughter named Posey, and it has been a pretty wild ride. I actually haven't heard the full birth story myself, so for everybody listening, it is my first time hearing the end-to-end story from the very beginning. I wanted to kick things off, Lou, with how different the whole experience has been from Ray. So maybe it is almost best to start with a very, very quick recap of your birth experience with Ray. Yes, great idea. Let's lay out some context. So Ray was born at 35 weeks and six days, spontaneous labor that kicked off via my waters breaking after midnight one night. Obviously wasn't expecting it. You don't expect a baby that early. It was about 12.30. I woke up with wet undies. Could have wet myself. Wasn't sure. Got on the (laughs) phone to the midwife. Also text my mum knowing that she probably wouldn't see it, but I text her anyway just in case she woke up during the night being like, do you think my water's broken? The midwives were like, you're prem if you are in labour, so come straight in. Had a shower, got Hayden up. Got in the car at about mm, maybe 1.30 into the hospital at 2, I'd say. Maybe a little bit earlier. Got to the hospital about 1.45 a.m. Pretty calm drive there, but I was pretty sure I was having contractions. That quickly built up when we got to the hospital. I think I was already three centimetres by the time they assessed me. I was comfortable with an assessment given this was early and whatnot. There was a chance that they'd try and stop labour if they didn't think I was in labour, but it was pretty quickly clear that this baby uh, was coming. I'm so sorry if you can hear my little darling cry. I'll just throw Never on the Never apologise, the little doll. A moment. Let's chuck her on the booby. 
Ray was then born only a few hours later. So from my water's breaking to his birth was five hours. It was a quick, intense birth, screamed for an epidural, couldn't get one in time. He spent nearly a week in special care. I think it was six days just learning how to feed. It wasn't anything health related. He was just a little baby that needed some help learning how to feed. Still absolutely devastating leaving your baby in hospital and having to go home without them. I had to pump three times a night, every night, had to set alarms. I'd spend all day with him until visiting hours were done. But that's the context. And then he came home with us after six days and did really well. He was 2.6 kilos, so pretty small, but not small for his gestation. He's tiny. Teeny tiny for just the size of a baby, but not the for his gestation. Baby, yeah. yeah. And so we went into this birth knowing that there was a chance that I could go early because the biggest indicator of a preterm birth is a prior preterm birth. So we definitely went in with the idea. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we went in with the notion that I should be ready from 34-ish weeks, but it was also like, how long is a piece of string? You could go to 41. I did not. And I'm glad I didn't. But my birth story this time is bizarre to say the least. Oh, let's kick it off then. I will say about Lou's birth though, she was with Ray. She was so cool, calm and collected. We, it was over Easter. I specifically remember because our entire family was in Torquay where we holiday every Easter. The caravan park was great. And the next morning, I remember my auntie ran out. She's like, Lou's had her baby. I was like, what? Like, I we love like, picturing Michelle. She came out screaming, heck? didn't she? She's like, Lou's had her baby, Lou's had her baby. And we're like, what the flip is going on here? Like, this is nuts. And you just sent this photo through or you sent an image. Hi, everyone. This is right. We're like, what the fuck is going on here? And Lou was so relaxed. It was so bizarre. I actually have a really great thread with my mom where I messaged her being like, I think I might be in labor and then in the morning she was like I'm awake how did you go and I sent her a photo but it wouldn't send and then with it I wrote I'm a mum and she's like what with like 5,000 exclamation marks and it was insane and then it finally came through and she was like oh my darling girl but um yeah so it was funny because nothing was a surprise about that pregnancy I told everyone straight away everyone knew the name at like 10 weeks so it was sort of nice in a sense that people got some sense of surprise from what was the least surprising yeah but it's more just your personality like you are just so like roll with the waves cool if that was me I'd be like oh my god I don't think you'll say that after you hear this very lead us in all right tell us tell us from the very very beginning So this birth story starts on Friday, the 29th of December at 35 weeks and three days and ends on Monday, the 15th of Jan with the birth at 37 weeks and six days. So this is a two and a half week birth story. It was a five hour birth story from first sign. I felt like the girl who cried birth. Honestly, that's what I'd nicknamed myself (laughs) to Hayden. And then that's why my friend was nicknaming the baby in my tummy. She wasn't saying that I was crying birth. She was saying that Rosie was crying birth and then never coming. So basically what happened, and I will be looking at my notes here because my memory is terrible and I'm early in postpartum. So on 3am on 29th of December, I actually woke up to Ray crying, not to any feeling, but then I couldn't go back to sleep. I was starting to feel decent pain, which was growing. As I said, I was 35 weeks and three days and Ray's birth was really quick. So I knew that if I thought I was in labor, I probably should go to hospital and get it checked out. Okay. So what's decent pain? Like I need to be walked through every minuscule detail. Like I was having contractions that felt like more than Braxton Hicks. 
They weren't unbearable, but it felt like how I felt with Ray after my waters had broken, the first okay. sort of stage of labour. So I was like to Hayden, this feels similar to our drive to the hospital for Ray, so I think we should probably go just in case. I let them do a vaginal examination because I was preemie and by that stage I was already four centimetres dilated. Was that uncomfortable? No, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad, especially because I obviously now had the hindsight of what like transition and pushing felt like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> so this felt bearable, but it did feel like things were progressing. I thought from there my waters would break. I'd have a baby in a few hours. I wasn't feeling great about the fact that it was 35 weeks and three days, but I was like, I've done it before. This is obviously just when I give birth at the 35-week mark. I know this baby's a little bit bigger than Ray. I look a bit bigger, blah, blah, blah. I was like, things will be okay. And like, there's no point freaking out because I thought it was happening to me anyway, so that I needed to just roll with it. Contractions kept coming pretty consistently throughout the day, but I was in there all day and I was just having pretty similar contractions. Slightly bigger gaps, slightly smaller gaps. About three to five minutes, I'd say, were the gaps. And it was sort of inconsistent, but they're like, yeah, you, you know, you're having contractions. They're pretty regular. We'll keep monitoring you, blah, blah, blah. And were you there with Hades and Ray? Just Hades. So Ray had gone to mum and dad. So mum and dad picked, uh, came to our house that morning at like four and then took him back once he woke up. Okay, that's handy. Yeah. So things picked up a bit in the Arvo and I was five centimetres at the next uh, check. Given Ray came quickly, my caseload midwife then decided that maybe it was time to move to the birth suite just because things were starting to pick up a little bit on the monitor and with how I was feeling, I was starting to need to breathe through the contractions a little bit more. We then moved to the birth suite and I start to have a bit of like a bloody show and all of that sort of stuff that suggested that maybe things were still starting, still continuing to progress. At about eight o'clock that night though, I had three pretty intense contractions in a row and it just totally brought Posey's heart rate down. All of a sudden, there were doctors all in the room. Oh, God. And one doctor was like to me, I'm going to break your, I think we need to break your waters and I need to attach this clip to her brain to monitor her. All the while, this is when Hayden's gone down to get dinner because the <laughs> midwife was like, things are going to pick up. You should eat now because you won't be able to soon. It's so good. It's so good. My legs are shaking, like I like literally shaking with adrenaline. Are you standing, sitting? What's your position? I need to visualize that. I'm just lying on the bed, being monitored. Okay, okay. I okay. wasn't too bad at this stage because I wasn't sort of feeling the need to get up. I did have my tens machine on, which, by the way, for early labour is brilliant. Loved the tens machine. I don't think it really helps you once you get to the transition stage, but definitely for those sort of I'd say zero to seven centimeters I think it's super helpful at least it was for me so then I've got all these doctors around me telling me that they might break my waters I knew how quickly Ray came after his waters broke naturally and I was just like this is too much it's 35 weeks and three days I do not need to have my waters broken I was like to my midwife do I need to act right now like is this life or death for my baby do I need to act right now? She's like, no, let's just see. And she was sort of making me move in a way, like lie on my side to try and settle her. I don't know how. She said something to do with potentially how the cord was interacting with her. Positioned. Don't know exactly. Okay. Yeah. So then all of a sudden she comes down on her own. Her heart rate goes back to where it should. But after that, labor just fizzles. Midwife said probably my body just realized that she wasn't basically ready. And so labor just fizzled. One thing that is so amazing about this is the way that you advocated for yourself. 
which I, I want to specifically call out because I think so many women would be in your position and if they had doctors and all these people in the room and their husband was gone, not yeah. there, they'd be like, you just tell me what to do. Yeah. But I was really lucky that it was my second birth for that reason, absolutely. actually. absolutely. Yeah. And that's why it's so good to ask the question. Like, you should feel empowered. And she did stay in for another two and a half weeks, which, you know, is obviously such a better result. Exactly. But it could have gone so differently. So, yeah, advocating for yourself is really, really important. And it was scary because obviously at the end of the day, you want your baby to be safe but at all costs. But it just felt wrong. I was just like, this doesn't feel right. I was, I was actually so scared in that moment. Luckily, it didn't last long. So then, yeah, labor just fizzled, totally fizzled, which is amazing like a bit of feedback system from the body. I think that my body and Posey had just realized she wasn't ready and that she needed better circumstances, I don't know, to come into the world. So her heart rate settled, labor fizzles. We stay the whole next day. This probably ends by all the, by when all is said and done here, it's probably like 11 p.m. And they're like, we want to monitor you overnight because we thought you were all giving birth. The next day, all the doctors that visited me were like, I cannot believe you're still pregnant. We were all sure there was going to be a baby. They keep me in all the next day, which is the Saturday, random contractions on and off, no rhyme or reason to it, nothing to say baby is coming soon, just random contractions, bigger than Braxton Hicks, but bearable. Then that night at midnight, Hades and I actually got a private room, which is pretty uncommon for the public system to get a private double room where the dad or the partner can stay, but we did get one. But at midnight that night... They actually made us move to a room where Hayden couldn't stay in because they had a COVID patient who was giving birth that needed to be in an isolated room. And so we got literally woken up. Are they still doing that? Yeah. I, well, because she literally had COVID, I guess. So she couldn't be in a, she couldn't go into a birth room with someone. Uh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. A hospital room after. Yes. Getcha. Yeah. So they literally, which I'm not saying this in like an ungrateful way, but it was pretty funny. They booed us at like midnight on Saturday night. We're asleep. And I was just like, let's go home. Like, let's go home. Like, what are they going to do? Wake up in the morning and tell us to go home anyway. I was like, I'm done. I need to see Ray. This is all just wild. And you would have been exhausted. Yeah, I was so tired. Mentally, I I can imagine it would have been extremely tiring. It was so weird. So then we go home and basically the next week was just weird. Like I was just having random contractions at some point, but nothing wild enough to send me to hospital. Um, I had a more bloody show, like a pretty decent one this time. Can I just say I was slightly hopeful that maybe you'd make the paper and give birth as like the first baby <laughs> on the 1st of Jan 2024. I love that. Our whole family, like we're all... We're all in Turkey again together. Like, how funny. You always give birth. We're all in Turkey. I know. And everyone's like, oh, tonight could be the night. Like, we had this bottle of champagne reach up. That oh, conversation gosh. That would have been the weirdest way for people. two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, tonight's going to be the night. We're so excited. Then we all had this thing. Because remember you said, oh, I'm thinking of a floral name. So we're like, all right, bets on. I should actually read you all the bets. Did you ever see that? Yes, no, I haven't. I didn't called? even know you oh, did okay. it. We did. We all took bets on what we thought but she I might be love it. Love it. Did anyone guess Posey? No. Although I so good. Look, I don't want to take credit, but I swear I said, "Oh, maybe Posey." And then everyone's like, "Yeah, but that's not specifically floral." And I'm like, "Oh, well, maybe you're like, not." But it's a bunch of flowers. So we were googling like floral names. Oh, anyway, I can read them at the I end of the, the episode for you to have a big. Yeah, mold. do. So then the next week or so, yeah, it was pretty weird. I had a midwife and doctor appointment like the week after. They did examine me just to see where things were at and they found that I was still sitting at four centimetres. 
So I'd gone down, I guess, a centimeter now that I wasn't contracting essentially. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And then my cervix was a facing, so it was thinning. Um, and that I did have sort of mul- bulging membranes sitting right in there, which essentially means that my waters were ready to break. But again, it was like a, it could happen in the next five minutes. It could happen in three weeks. Yes. The doctor wanted to keep me in that night as well. Like I literally was just there for an appointment. She's like, I think you should stay. And I was like, no. I'm not staying because I was bloody, again, they monitored me while I was there and I was having contractions again. It's a 45-minute drive to the hospital it is, just to yes. note that. That's really important. We haven't had that context actually. By the way, once my waters broke, things bloody quick. So, oh, I'm so uh, excited to hear this. So uh, it was probably fair what they were saying. So then, yeah, I was having contractions again during that freaking appointment and they wanted me to stay the night, but I was like, no, nah, I'm not staying. I can't do this again. So I went home and that was, that was over the Tuesday after the Friday. So that was still a good nearly two weeks away from the birth. Mentally, how were you feeling at that stage? I was either fine or frustrated. Okay. But I was also like, I should be grateful that I'm getting further and further away from having a preterm baby. Because as I said, even though Ray was healthy and it was like a real, I guess, reality check seeing the babies that had moved from NICU into special care and seeing what other mums had been through. It was still awful leaving Ray in special care. So I was like, anything to avoid that would be great. So I was this weird mixture of like frustrated, confused, almost a little bit embarrassed that I didn't really know what was going on with my body. And then also grateful that Posey was continuing to, I guess, grow in there and not here yet because it was probably a good thing, basically, at least to get to 37 weeks was the goal. So Yeah, I was sort of like this weird mixture of all these emotions. So then we fast forward to the Thursday, like a week and a half later. What day are we at? Because it started on the 29th and then what day are we at now? So that Tuesday was the 2nd of January when I went in and they again were advising I stay, but I didn't. And then the next Thursday was the 11th of January. I again started to have contractions to the point where Hayden was like, I think we should go to hospital. I was like, I refuse, I flat out refuse to go to hospital unless I know I'm in labor, but we'll head to the area. So we headed to Frankston near the hospital to the beach and walked around and I was having contractions enough that they were um, stopping me in my tracks sometimes. But then again, <laughs> there was no real rhythm. Like some would be three minutes apart, some would be five minutes apart. It was just confusing and all over the show. It was nothing like Ray's labor. One moment. Do you want some milk, baby? Yeah, so having... Decent contractions on the beach, but again, no rhyme or reason. With Ray, his birth was quick, but it felt incremental. I could feel myself progressing the whole time. This wasn't like that. And my waters hadn't broken. So I still felt like a bit confused. With Ray, it was so obvious. My waters had broken, that started labor. That's sort of my barometer, I guess, of how labor starts as a result, like as opposed to it starting with contractions. So we're at Frankston Beach for about two hours, and then they literally just fizzle on their own. And I'm like, let's go home. I'm feeling pretty frustrated by this stage. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? One thing I forgot to mention is when I had that doctor and midwife appointment, they actually did some swabs and tests and they found that I had an imbalance of a bacteria in my vagina, not GBS or anything related to that and nothing that could harm the baby, but it did mean, or it potentially meant, they couldn't say for sure, which was even more confusing for them and for me. It could have meant uterine irritation, which could have been the contractions. So it could have been Ah. almost like a fake labor. Like it felt like labor and it looked like labor, but it was really just like an irritated uterus. 
So, but wow. like, but we don't know enough. that basically. Like, we can't say that for sure. That could be the thing. With hindsight, they did think it was like when all was said and done. But they're like, we can't say that for sure, but we think that could be why. So they gave me antibiotics to take for a week that were really safe for baby and I. So I was already on those from the Tuesday. Okay. So then on that Thursday, went back home, felt frustrated. By this stage, I'm also embarrassed that Ray's staying with my parents for like the third bloody time in two weeks. They obviously didn't care at all and would rather I get checked out. But I was just like, what is going on here? This is embarrassing. Two days later, Saturday the 13th of January, I thought my waters broke. I was wrong. It must have been some sort of leakage. It looked exactly like what happened with Ray. So again, what do we do? We're going off to hospital because it literally looks like my waters are broken and I started having fucking contractions again. When you say it looks like it, is it just wet? Like wetness? Yeah, just wet. Like it's not mucusy. It's like okay. more weeish, I guess you'd say. Like okay. it's more. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's not thick and mucusy essentially when it's your waters. So I am in there on Saturday, laboring all day. Again, they're like watching me labor, seeing my contractions on the machine, seeing how I'm going through it. But nothing changes. It's always that three to five minute gap, semi-intense ones, then all right ones, no rhyme or reason, no sort of proper progress, just confusing. Gets to Saturday night, I've been sort of like laboring or like fake laboring perhaps if it was this uterine irritation all afternoon. And they're like, right, we can't keep seeing you do this and we don't know what the fuck is going on with you basically. We're going to give you some Panadine Fort, which will do... One of two things, it'll either just sort of fizzle this off or it will relax you so much that it will bring labor on. Oh, God. It just totally fizzled things, which was actually great because I was trying to get in like decent pain. Like I had these low period cramps, which were actually even more prominent for me in terms of pain than these sort of mild contractions. I had the most intense low period cramps that it was actually a little bit hard walking to the bathroom. Okay. So unless I had Panadine Ford, I was like in agony. So they were like, we can't really send you home because we don't understand what's going on, but we also don't know what to do with you. And we're also still worried about how quickly this is all going to happen when your waters break. Anyway, I stay in all day Sunday. As soon as the um, Panadine would wear off, my contractions would pick up. They'd monitor me every now and then and they'd literally see this. They're even seeing pretty decent contractions happening when I was on the fort. And I could sort of somewhat feel them, but they weren't too bad. On the fort. So I was just on the fort. Yes. I was on my fort. <laughs> Love that. On my birthing fort. Yeah. Anyway, stay all of Sunday, just topping up my pain relief. Then Monday morning comes. That was a little bit of a D-day because I wasn't just going to keep staying there. Like I have a son at home that I miss. I can't just fucking stay in hospital forever waiting for this baby to come. And this was on the 14th of Jan, so the day before so, she arrived. No, so this is now we're going to the Monday. So it's Monday the 15th of Jan. It's the morning. I wake up still feeling the same pain, but something feels a little bit different this time. I originally asked Hayden to go past Macca's, get me a bit of an egg and cheese McMuffin, get me oh, a bit of a shit. coffee. No, you did it, sweetie. I did. No. Get me an OJ. But then I had to cancel the order because I was feeling different. I was like, I think you just need to get in here. In my eyes, there's nothing better than food when it comes to easing the mental load. Whether it's postpartum, a hectic work schedule, one less thing to think of over a busy period, food is always a great gifting or treat yourself option. Lou, I was gifted New Bub Club by a friend for my second baby and loved it. And Lou, you've recently received some of their meals for your second baby, Posey. What are your thoughts? 
We've just finished two weeks of new Bub Club meals and I am a huge fan. The portion sizes are ridiculously generous, which I remember you saying, Loz, and it is lucky given how hungry I am. I cannot stop eating. The food is seriously good. Some of my favourites have been the Balinese chicken with coconut rice. The flavour was insane. Pumpkin and maple jumbo pasta with creamy tomato sauce and salad, also a 10 out of 10. But the absolute winner was the chicken cacciatore with fresh homemade tagliatelle. Hayes actually said if you were served that at a fancy restaurant, you'd be happy and I couldn't agree more. All meals come in these great reusable containers, which are so handy and you can choose between fresh or frozen options to either eat now or stock in your freezer. If you're thinking about what to gift a new mum, New Bub Club is a great option. Head to newbubclub.com to gift or purchase homemade meals for your family or someone in need of some postpartum care. Listeners of Ready or Not will receive $20 off the first order using code READY20. He had Ray with him the night before, so he then dropped Ray to daycare and came in at about 8. I was pretty sure this time that I was in labour, but after everything I'd been through, I was so confused doubting yourself a little bit oh doubting myself like crazy starting to lose all this confidence that I'd built up to like have this sort of physiological birth that I'd had with Ray and starting to just feel like I have no fucking idea what's happening basically and I don't trust myself so Hayden gets into the hospital I'd say eight-ish and then at about nine my caseload midwife just happens to clock on to a normal shift like she wasn't on call for me she just checked in and I, at that point, before I hadn't even got there, I was in the shower and couldn't get out. That's how much pain I was in. Can you explain the showering to me? So what did that do for your birth? Oh, so water running down your back, I can't explain it, but it fucking helps so much. doesn't help when you're pushing or when you, when you get to the transition stage of like seven to ten centimetres, but up until then, I cannot tell you how much it helped for pain relief. I couldn't keep using the tens like we'd had too much time together. It was like one of those boyfriends that you keep breaking <laughs> up with and getting back with. I was just like, love you. I'm done, yeah. We've had a great times, but, but we need to rip the Band-Aid off. So I couldn't do the tens anymore. I couldn't even look at it by that stage. But that's not to say that the tens isn't great because it is. It's just I'd had too much time. So but by the time Hayden had got there, I was sort of like, where the fuck is he? Because I'd already been in the shower for a decent amount of time. Then my caseload midwife, Emily, arrives and I'm in tears to her. Like, I think I'm in labor, but I'm so confused by this stage that I don't know. And I was just like a little bit of a shell of a human. But then things just magically progressed. It was like seeing her change things. And she basically says now that that's when labor started, 9 a.m. So then I was starting to feel more powerful. I was like, this is it. I know this. This is feeling different. I could hear Em and Hayden talking. They're like, she's breathing differently. She's acting differently. I think this is the actual thing. So I spend about three hours in the shower. Mate, that's a long time. I know. It didn't feel good for the environment. Mate, just this water falling down my back for three hours. So bad. I asked them to start setting up the birth ball, which is basically just a big bath. Yep. And then I get into that at about 12. From this point, I'm thinking things are going to happen quickly. My water's going to break. Baby's going to be here soon. It wasn't a long labor, so I don't want to make it out like it was a long labor because I know people have extremely long labors and it would be really annoying to hear me talk about a seven and a half hour labor as a long labor. But I didn't realize that you had planned for a um, water birth. Yeah, so I had, but it's not how things ended. So basically I was in the bathroom at 12 till four <laughs> and Hayden, every time a contraction would come, Hayden would put the shower on and then up. 
it started to get to the point where nothing was comfortable. Everything was painful, but I was feeling good. I was saying I'm a badass. I was using that birth affirmation. Name. Yes, I was going to ask you about your birth affirmation. And was like, yes, you are. And he was really good. He was really encouraging and saying all the right things, using all the affirmations that we spoke about. He's like, you're going to meet Posey soon. He did a really great job of all of that stuff. He sort of did suggest maybe a change of scenery. I didn't realise that this could be quite a good thing if your birth had been going for perhaps a little bit longer than you thought. Then Emily comes back in. They sort of come in and out really discreetly because obviously they're trying to keep you in this sort of like oxydosin state to keep things moving. But she does eventually come in and say, how about we move back to the shower and try that? She's like, it's totally up to you, but let's have a go of it. At this point, I'm pretty, like, I know that this is at least, I'm at least six hours in. And I'm like, this is weird. Ray would have been born by now. Like, what's going on? Okay. So mentally you're starting to Mentally I'm losing drift. my my possession. Yeah. Before that, I had been like, this hurts, but I can do this. And I was feeling quite powerful, but that was starting to wane. I was almost like bored. I don't know how people go through 24-hour labours because it's a long time to keep yourself confident. And motivated. Like you have to motivate yourself and be like, I can do this. But it's like six hours in, I imagine you'd be like, far out. Like, let's just get this done. (laughs) Exactly. And even I always thought if the pain wasn't too bad, it would be okay for labour to go for a while. Now I realise. It's not just about the pain. It's about the confidence and, as you say, the motivation. It's a waiting game. You want to meet that baby. Exactly. So my hat goes off to anyone who has, like, a seriously long labour. You're amazing to for getting through it. So then at about 4 o'clock, we move back to – it must have been actually about 3.30. We walk back to the shower. So we're about six and a half hours in at this point. Walk back to the shower. Labour picks up, like, almost straight away. My, I feel the popping sensation. My waters have broken and it is fucking on. Oh, my God. Tell me everything. All of a sudden, I go from being powerful to unfortunately a little bit more of that fear-based state. I'm screaming like, ah. I'm starting to poo. I didn't poo in my first birth. <gasps> oh, no. Pooed a lot in this one. I could feel it coming out. I was like, am I pooing? Mate, you're lucky you didn't keep going with that egg and bacon muffin. That would have repeated. Oh, God, I didn't eat much that day either. I'll tell you what, I was Probably the vindaloo the, the night before. Oh, well, I actually did have a bit of a veg carry the night before, so there you go. Yeah, same. I knew you would have. I knew you would yeah. have. Yeah, so then I'm I'm pooing. I'm labouring hard. So are you standing, sitting? What's your position? Where are you at? I need a visual okay. answer. I'm back in the shower. I've got my arms on the bench and my knees are in the ground. Okay. Got the it. shower is just on me full time at this stage. Can't have a break from it until the very end. Baby is bloody nearly here. So I reckon my water's broken about four. She was born at 4.30. Oh, wow. That ring of fire. My God, I really felt it this time. So basically, yeah, water's broke. I reckon there's about 10 minutes where, where contractions were just so intense but didn't feel the need to push yet. And then all of a sudden I am wanting to push this baby out. Get her out. I reckon I pushed Ray for about 45 minutes to an hour, which felt like a lifetime, but maybe isn't too long. I'm not really sure. I reckon the pushing phase was 10 minutes this time, which might sound amazing, but my fuck it was so intense, incredible, but intense. So anyway, I'm starting to feel that burning ring of fire. The intensity is like nothing I have ever felt. What are you saying? What's your body movements? What is Hayden saying? Funnily enough, I thought I was screaming at this point, but I have the video footage and I am just breathing deeply and incredibly quiet. So that's really interesting. So you must sort of go inwards towards the end of birth and it's probably the transition stage where you start to really scream. 
And then, yeah, I was like totally inwards. Like in my head, there was chaos, but watching the video back, I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm not making a single noise. Feel the need to push and all of a sudden, baby slowly coming out. The midwife was amazing. She was behind me getting ready to catch and she's like, I can see her eyes. I can see her nose. Oh, One more push. And then all of a sudden, it was just like this almighty push. And the midwife is sort of pulling at her, I can feel. And I didn't really know why at the time, but I'll explain that in a second. And then all of a sudden she's out and on my chest. Bit of a scary moment. She comes out blue and limp and not breathing. Doctors all of a sudden everywhere. It's normal for a baby. I've learned to come out blue, but they should self-regulate within two minutes and be breathing. I think it took okay. Cozy closer to five minutes. And they're sort of like roughing her on my chest and like rocking her back and forth and trying to get her to breathe. I think I was in such a otherworldly state that I was little bit scared. Well, you've just given birth, Lord. Yeah, you need exactly. to give yourself some grace that you're like, you've had all this adrenaline. It's all rushing out. Everything's happening around you. And you're probably like, yeah. whoa. So we were sort of like a tiny bit scared, but I wouldn't say we were petrified. And I feel like you do hear those stories pretty often that the baby doesn't come out breathing and then the baby's fine. I know that's not the case all the time and I don't want to downplay that. But I wasn't feeling lol. You can see how wet my top is from the milk that's been spilling down. <laughs> um, I wasn't too worried, but I was a little bit worried. A few extra things that were a little bit interesting is that she didn't make the final turn that you meant to down the birth canal. So she came out with the hugest bruise on her head that I can't believe how quickly it went down. But that might have been why she was nearly breaking my waters, but not quite. But it was sort of like the pressure was sitting there. Yes, but that was a bruise. So it was really big, the poor darling. It would have hurt her. Oh, fascinating. I thought it must have been from the blanket. Yeah, no, it really got her. And that might have been part of the reason that she wasn't breathing because, I mean, the pushing stage was so quick that it was a lot for her, I'm sure. And the other thing was that her cord was sort of wrapped around like a seatbelt, if you can imagine, over one shoulder. Okay. Down diagonally over the the other hip, I guess. Um, and so that's why the midwife was sort of tugging her out in this weird position because she sort of was a little bit caught. Um, so there were some weird little things that happened, but all in all fine. As soon as she was resussed, she was on my chest and I couldn't believe it. Our baby girl was here. That. And it was wild. I got the, um, yeah, I got the injection to get the placenta out ASAP because there was no way I was waiting around for that shit after what I'd just been through. <laughs> Fair enough. And yeah, we got skin to skin. I was lucky this time to not have any tears, so I didn't need stitches. I had a bit of a graze, but that's about it. I couldn't believe it that she was nearly a kilo bigger than Ray. So she was born two weeks later than him and she was 900 grams heavier than him at 3.5 kilos. And Hayden was like, is her name Posey? And I was like, can it be? Are you sure you like it? Because I liked it more than he did. It's a beautiful name. And he was like, yep, let's call her Posey. And then before I knew we were back in our room, we got to stay back in that double room, which Hades and I had made lots of jokes that we were loving our hotel room when we had been put in that double room the previous time. And we're like, how lucky are we? We're back in the double room. We're back in our hotel. So that was great because it means he could stay there the night, which is a luxury for public. That's not a given. And yeah, it was so, such a weird experience having your baby in the room with you on night one because Ray was in special care. Yes. So my first night with Ray was night seven. But I did feel more confident as a second time mum, I guess. And it just went pretty well that night. I really noticed a difference in her being two weeks older in terms of feeding. Ray definitely needed that coaching and so did I. But she just yeah. knew what to do, which was quite amazing to see. And then we were home the next morning, desperate to introduce Posey to Ray Ray. 
And also, just for context, so Posey was born at a gestation of 37 plus six. Okay. So exactly two weeks later than Ray. So, okay. so to consider term and like nearly 38 weeks, which is like, which was perfect for me because anything over 38 weeks would have felt overdue for me. And she was 3.6 kilos. Is that right? 3.5. So she was a pretty big baby. If I got to full Imagine term, if you went to full. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm about to say. You would yeah. have been birthing an over four kilogram baby. That would have been a very different birth experience. I'd imagine. I know. Seriously. So I feel like Ray's birth all in all was a bit more wild and stressful because it happened you know without warning and it was intense from the get-go but I think the pushing phase and the transition phase of this birth was harder that's what I think and I'm assuming that's because she was bigger and it happened quicker what are some of the things that you implemented the second time around that served you well I think Having affirmations genuinely really helped and having Hayden more aware of his role. The first time I feel like we were both deers in headlights. It was just like, oh my God, this has just happened to us. And like, there was no time to prepare or really think about it. As in we'd done birth prep, but we like hadn't hadn't thought about the birth specifically. I'd just gone on mat leave essentially. So I think being a bit more prepared in that sense was good. We had more things around the room to make me feel good, like photos of Ray, a nice room spray. I had a birth comb that I squeezed on. To be honest, at the end, I don't think it did much, but it was something that I could focus my attention on. Um, the TENS machine really helped me in the, all of those weird fake labors or whatever we want to call them. And water. Oh, my God, the shower. I don't know how I could have done that without the shower. Is it like a detachable head that you can like put closer to your spine so that yes. pressure is harder? So when labor wasn't as intense but still was pretty intense, I would just sit under it on the bench and then when a contraction would come, I'd turn around and put my back to it. And for whatever reason, that just feels so much better. Okay. It doesn't totally take away the pain, obviously. Like some people would hear that and be like, oh, that does not help. And I agree it doesn't help at the end but it definitely helps in that sort of mid-labour or the second stage, I think it is. So they are sort of my tips. And just having that confidence, I guess, of knowing I'd done it before helped. But having said that, ignorance is also bliss. So I feel like going into your first birth is great in a way because you don't know what to expect, whereas you can enter from a bit of a fear-based state that second time when you know what the pain is like. I think they're my tips. I don't think I really have any more. It was just about having your birth partner really understand. You don't want to be in your thinking brain once you're in labor. So you don't want to be telling them what to do. The other thing that really helped, and this is quite a nice little poetic story to end on, is music. It genuinely made me feel better in those early phases of labor. And while I didn't even hear the song at the end when I was pushing because... Yeah, what was she born to? Yeah, so she was born to Fire and Rain by James Taylor and that was the song. Oh, that's one of my favourite songs. So beautiful. And it was also played at my uncle's funeral a year and a half ago. Oh. So it felt like this real beautiful... Rebirth. Rebirth moment. So I have to tell my auntie that actually because I, all of his songs at his funeral... Hades and I were like, wow, we have the exact same taste of music as them. And it was like, it's always really beautiful hearing what songs are played at someone's funeral. It's like you learn something else about them, especially if you don't, like I loved my uncle, but it's not like we were wildly close or anything. I'm close to my auntie, but it was quite beautiful listening back and being like, oh, wow, that's the song that we said goodbye to him to. So that is my birth story. Is there anything that you would change for the next one? 
oh, I'd see how I do that. See how I do that. (laughs) What would I change? Oh, I would have minus a few hospital visits if I could. (laughs) No, what would I have changed? Look, I probably would have not been as stubborn with Hades about staying in the birth pool and gone earlier because that really did start to rattle me being like, I'm just stuck in this room and nothing much is happening. And look, at the time of pushing, I would have told you that I wish I had asked for an epidural because I would have eventually had time. But now that all's said and done, that doesn't matter. You forget about it very quickly. I probably wouldn't really change anything else. Would have. That's great. It was an empowering experience. Yeah, it was. It was an empowering experience. One really interesting reflection that I discussed with my doula the other day is that, and I'll be interested to see if you had this experience, the high that I felt and the love that I felt for Posey was the same as Ray, but my high related to birth wasn't as high. Like after giving birth to Ray, I was walking the halls feeling like Heidi Klum or some sort of Victoria's Secret angel. And I was like, I am it. Like, wow, I'm amazing. And every person that's ever given birth is amazing. And I felt all this like oxytocin of like love for every person that had ever mothered in any way. This time the love was there for Posey, but I was like a bit overwhelmed by birth, interestingly. And I don't know if you, I mean, I know that you. Well, my birth stories were both very different to yours. Yeah, but did you feel the same oxytocin high, do you think? Not towards Zave, but towards the process? No, because I knew it. Yeah, I think there's something in that. Yeah, I think there is. I think sometimes when you do something, it's like skydiving though, right? When you do it for the first time, you're like, fuck, that was incredible. That was amazing. And then when you do it the second time, you might not have the same experience, but you know somewhat what to expect. So you're like, that was amazing. Yes. But it wasn't like the first time. It's not the same high. Exactly yeah, so right. that was really interesting. So I didn't know to expect that. I still, yeah, I still loved her just as much, but I wasn't as in awe of myself to be totally honest. Yes. Thanks for sharing your birth story, Lou. I loved, I mean, I'm sure everyone will love hearing it. It's pretty wild. And also just the way you repeated it and you were so chill. <laughs> I would not be like that. Like if I were in I wasn't potential chill. labor at 35 like, weeks, I would have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually very curious, and we'll discuss this in another episode of Ready or Not, to check in and see how you're finding the transition from one to two. Yeah. I think at the moment, you're very much in this love bubble, which is exactly how it should be. You're still, obviously, you've got a lot of hormones running through your body. You're still in a very big high. Yeah. And she's not doing anything, you know. Well, like, I mean, she's going to she start doing soon. things soon. Yeah. So things are <laughs> yeah. going to pick up. It'll be interesting to see. But it'll be good to check in and get your real res- like perspective. Because I think everything changed for me around the six to 12 weeks. That's what I'm expecting. Mark, and I'd love to catch you in that moment when you can be really vulnerable and be yourself and be like, yeah, just to check in. I think that'll make for a really good conversation. It's also a really different mat leave experience for me. When I was working for someone else, I just had 12 months off, three months full pay from my employer, followed by the government leave. And I just was tools down for like six months. And then I started to work on ready or not. This time I'm not doing too much work, but I'm doing, I'd say about five ish, five to 10 ish hours a week, probably on ready or not and witching hour. And so it's a really different experience. It was sort of back straight back on the tools, but in a very limited capacity. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out too. So we can talk about that as well. And to end things off, I want to hear what was your most used birth affirmation? Definitely, I am a badass. Great. I thought it might be. 
thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or write a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.